Houston, contact with a test one. He created the stars. He created the mountains. He created the seas. And he, the creator of the universe, created me. I am his. Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our Appleton campus, Germantown campus, online campus? <laughs> Wherever you may be joining us from today, welcome. It is it's a great country music song. It's sunny in 75, and it is a great, great day. We're continuing our series. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 15, and we're going to kind of end chapter 1 today through verse 23. And uh, in this series, I Am His, we're talking about this identity that we find in Christ. As Paul's writing this letter uh, to the church in Ephesus and to the Ephesians. And, and, and I really, it's a pretty simple message today. I really have one main point um, and uh, it's really, it's, it's, we're talking about the, the, the value of appreciation. Um, I don't know if how you uh, are or, or really kind of what, um, what kind of uh, uh, how you feel valued. Uh, but for me, every card I get in the mail, every letter that I get that's good, the ones that are bad, they just go to the shredder, right? Matter of fact, I don't even get it. If they're unsigned, they don't even get to me. Um, but every one of those that are, that, are, that are positive, let's say that, I keep. Um, my assistant gets every, it's a card file that I keep. Um, because there are days that I just feel like you do, anybody, we all work for a living, uh, that you want to quit. There are days that you wonder, am I making a difference? There are moments where you wonder, does it really matter? Really, it, I mean, it, it, it does it matter? I don't think anybody's indispensable. I don't think anybody's great or awesome, more, more awesome. Uh, as Kung Fu Panda would say, awesomeness is for free. I don't think anybody's more awesomeness than somebody else. I know that's not grammatically correct, but you understand what I'm saying. But there's a value in somebody taking time just to write a handwritten card and say, thank you. I value you. There's a, a value in someone uh, calling and just saying, I just want to know that you've made a difference in my world. Getting something in the mail where somebody has to take some extra time. It's not just an email. and Not that that's bad. It's not just a text. Not that that's bad, but that's so convenient. But just to, just to communicate that. You know, when I was an associate pastor in, in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, um, I, being an associate pastor, you kind of do a lot of different things. And I was a youth pastor at a, at a larger church there. And uh, I'll never forget the pastor basically just springing it on me. Hey, Aaron, you're going to be leading worship. Now, I had led worship. I sang. I did all of that. I knew what to do. But it was like not really the gig that I wanted to do. Right? I just want to be the youth pastor. And uh, I'm in my mid-20s, and I just kind of want a youth pastor and, and all of that. And he said, no, you're going to be leading worship. And, and, and one of the things, there were two services. We, we had just gotten to this church, and I moved with my senior pastor from northwest Arkansas to Tulsa. And uh, so we were brand new on the team. We'd been there a month. And the first service had never had drums in it. 
right? Ever. Like there was, there was always, it was a, this big kind of more, think pipe organ and piano and choir. And it was very, then sings my soul, my savior God to thee, how great thou art. It was one of those services. And, and I could do that. And I knew all the hymns and all of that kind of stuff. And you had the robe choir behind you. And we were in suit and ties and the whole deal. And, and, uh, and the second service was way more contemporary. And so he wanted to make sure that all the services were the same. And he wanted a particular, more contemporary style of worship. So if you know anything about church and worship, I'm the guy that I, I become the devil really fast, right? And plus the fact that, I mean, I, I'm 44 but don't look 44. And, and I've always looked young. I, I joke that I'm kind of the Dick Clark of senior pastor ministries. I just don't. It's just that deal. And, and so I really looked young there. And then I'm the youth pastor on top of it. So I, I, I just, and so I go into, I'll never forget going to the worship set and the, and the practice rehearsal uh, with the, with, with that first service and, and, um, and having the, the organist quit, completely quit, got mad. We will not play drums in here. This is not what da da da. I have I performed here and here and here, and I have a degree from here and here and there. And and I mean, it was like I'm just doing my job, kind of a deal. And so there was a lady who had played piano, who was also an organist, and very sweet. And I just her name is Teresa Hayhurst, and I went to Teresa, and I just said, "Would you help me?" Um, it's amazing when you just kind of, you don't act like you know everything and you kind of walk in and you just kind of say, hey, I need help. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm lost like a ball in high weeds and I have no really a good flipping clue what I'm doing. And so could you kind of help me? And, and people typically help. And, and so she said, sure, I'd be happy to help you. And I said, well, I, I need an organist for the first service to come into play. And she played and she was very accomplished and very sweet and very kind. And I sent her a thank you card. Teresa probably was in her 60s at this point. I sent her a thank you card. And I'll never forget her response to me. Very eloquent lady. Very well-to-do lady. Very accomplished lady. Um, and uh, just incredibly just sweet and kind lady. She, with tears, came to me the next week and just said, You have no idea what... And she pulled from her purse the card that I had sent her on Monday after... She had helped me on Sunday. What this means to me. And uh, I said, okay. I'm just thinking, man, I'm 26. I just, I mean, my handwriting, you can't read my handwriting. I wanted to be a doctor. That's as far as I got, right? I mean, I just, that's it. And she just said, in all of my years of serving in church, I played for funerals, weddings. I've sang, been a part. I've been in this church for decades, raised my kids here, my grandkids here. She said, no one has ever just said, thank you. This is the first time. And I just, you have no idea what that means to me. From then on, man, I was in like Flint with Teresa. I mean, anything I needed, whenever I needed. I mean, it just, and it, and it hit me, the power of just writing a card, of just simply appreciating someone and just saying that to someone. Because everybody, everybody needs to hear thank you from time to time. Whether it's someone that's serving in a, in, a, in a ministry, whether it's a wait staff at a restaurant, whether it's a clerk at a store, whether it's a janitor at the office complex, whether it's an administrative assistant, whether it's your boss. 
Our world is very critical. Our world is very callous. Our world is very demanding. Our world is very entitled. Our world can be very cold and rude. And in the context of all of that, very few times do people hear the words, thank you. Job well done. I appreciate you. I value you. It's amazing to me, even as a grown man, I'm a man's man, 256, 6'1", and I will look at another grown man and shake his hand and put my hand on his shoulder and just look at him and say, I love you. How most grown men my size will will cower and will kind of, because it's this, we don't know really how to receive that because we don't really give that because the world really is not that way. But the reality is, is that we all value it. The reality is, is that we all really want to know, I'm making a difference. The reality is, is we all want to know that we matter. The reality is, is that we all have that need inside of us. God placed it there. It's not bad or wrong. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It can become that. But in the root of it, it's just knowing that I am valued. It's the reason why God tells us in John 3.16, he loves us so much that he gave his one and only son. Because we need that. So, so in this world and in this context with this need, how, how do we respond? I mean, do we just kind of go, well, they're rude to me, so I'm going to be rude to them. As a Christ follower in Jesus Christ, do I have rights? Or do I seem to be like a, a doormat for people just to kind of steamroll over? Can you really change the culture in which we live? That's, especially social media has exacerbated this to a point that people will say things on a tweet or an Instagram or Snapchat in a way they would never, ever, ever face-to-face say things. Paul addresses this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And again, I told you I had one main point today. Here it is. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You are appreciated by Jesus. This is what Paul's saying. You are appreciated. You are valued by Jesus. And if you get this concept, you are appreciated by Jesus, it will change you first. Secondly, it will begin to change your outlook and your attitude. And eventually, it will change the people that are around you. Remember the first 14 verses we talked about last week, I am blessed. It's all about the blessings that we have in Jesus. Now, Paul begins to kind of ramp this up and just says, hey, I want you to know, by the way, you're blessed in him, but he also appreciates you. The Savior of the world, the one who came and died on the cross for our sins, the one who who knew no sin, who became sin for us, he values and appreciates you. It's one thing that someone loves you. Your parents love you. But when your parents tell you that they appreciate you, it's like they kind of got to love you, right? Because they brought you into the world. Amen? No? There's a lot of, we need to talk about parenting today? It's rough, isn't it? I know. Just kick them out. That's my advice to you. That's the word of the Lord. Just kick them out. My mother used to say to my brothers and I, if you're going to fight, go outside and do not get blood on my carpet. I don't care if you kill each other in the yard. Your dad can mow it up, but get out of my house. (laughs) Verse 15, Paul says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all saints... Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, let me, let me just give a little theological interjection here. I know this is a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. But we believe, whether you're Presbyterian, whether you're 
whether you're Baptist, whether you're non-denomination, Assemblies of God, we, Methodists, it doesn't matter, we believe in what's called verbal plenary inspiration, which means the Bible that you have in your hand is the inspired, which means God's words to us, inerrant, which means it contains no errors, it's not contradictory to itself, and infallible, which means it will not fail, it will always work. It's the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of God. Verbal plenary inspiration means that God wrote the Bible through people. In this particular case, it's Paul's voice. But it's God's words. Therefore, Scripture, all of Scripture, can be read as God speaking directly to you. Paul is telling us that God is thankful for us, that God appreciates the obedience, the generosity, and the faithfulness of his people. Read that verse again with verbal plenary inspiration in mind. For this reason, God says, because I, God, have heard of your faith, of Dave's faith, of Sarah's faith, of Adam's faith, of Rachel's faith, whatever your name is, and the Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints. We all know that the saints are Christ followers, right? They're not... They're not merited individuals such as, as, as some would lead us to believe. But the Bible says that the saints of the church are not the ministers or the missionaries or the apostles or the prophets or the teachers. But that the saints of the church are, is the congregation. That's you. God says, I do not cease to give thanks for Aaron, for Scott, for Sarah. I, I don't cease to give thanks for you. And I remember you, Aaron, in my prayers. That's a powerful thought when you read it that way, isn't it? That that's how God views you. That when God spoke to Paul to write these words, he was writing them not just for the church in Ephesus, but all of God's word is inspired and infallible and inerrant. God's omniscient. Don't forget that. That means God does see and know all, and he sees all of our sins, but he also knows and sees all of our obedience, all of our service, all of our generosity. So that means if God sees and knows all, he doesn't just see the day that you give in to temptation, but he also sees the times when you say no. He doesn't just see the moments when you're greedy, but he sees the moments when you're operating with extreme generosity. He doesn't just see the day that you're lazy, but he sees the day that you're serving by grace in Jesus Christ. And even though others may not appreciate you, even though you may not always feel valued by others, God sees and God knows and God appreciates. Notice he's thankful for two things. For your love for Jesus and your love for God's people. That's the two most important things. Is God's people and Jesus. It's a great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's the cross. It's a vertical relationship. It's a horizontal relationship. That's the reason why I never understand why people go, well, I can just serve God, but I'm just not going to go to church. So you're just going to do one thing? God said we need to do two things. The Bible says that we should never forsake coming together and do it even so much more as we see the day of Christ approaching. We need to come together. We need to be together. And and, and so he he talks about this. And so it's just important for us to know that, that God sees all and that he does all. But that this is what he loves. This is what he cares about. That he cares about you and he cares about his son. And sometimes in our sincere desire to... To, to give glory to God, and I know that's right. Sometimes we don't always appreciate other people. Or we don't allow other people to appreciate us. Well, I don't rob any. You know what? The Bible says don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. I love when people take scripture out of context. 
Really? Have you read the book? Do you know that Paul, when he speaks to the church in Rome, says in Romans chapter 12 that there are those who excel in the gift of giving? If I gave an award for the biggest giver in the church, financially speaking, people would be enraged. But that is a spiritual gift according to Scripture. I didn't write the book. And to honor people that give in that way is not wrong. Do I do that? No. Why? Because you couldn't handle it. It's okay if I want to give somebody a gift for years of service or hours of service or this. What's the difference? There is no difference. The difference is it's not about God, it's about us. The difference is, is at the end of the day, is that, is that sometimes we, we, we want to just take certain things out of context and we're not going to value this and we're going to value that and it's okay to value this. And, well, who made that rule? And who died and made you God? I'm not trying to be super serious. I'm just trying to say, go back to what the Bible says. Go, go, go back to the, just go back to the ink on the page. Go, go, go back to, to the original script. No. We give glory to God. Yes, all of this is his. But we can appreciate what God's doing through other people. And to honor people. And I'm going to preach on this. It's, it's, it's a series that I've got coming up. To honor people is something we have forgotten to do. There is honor that should be given. The Bible says though that those that labor among us are worthy of double honor. No, if there's someone that served, we need to honor them. Those that are mature in their years, we need to honor them. I, amen. The, listen, the, the, I'm not just preaching for, for a clap. I'm trying to say we, we lose this somewhere in our society. We don't hold doors open for people. We don't defer to other people. We don't honor people because it's all about me and all about mine. Even in the church, well, we just don't do that because we don't want to rob anybody of their glory. Anything that you get here, you're not going to get in heaven. No, it's not what it says. If you're doing what you do on this earth for the applause of men or for the honor of man, then it's, it's a wood, hay, and stubble. But if you're doing it unto the Lord and someone says, hey, thank you, I value you, I appreciate you, that's what Paul's talking about. And you Read Pauline theology all the way through these letters that he's written. He constantly encourages. He constantly gives specific names of people that he values. Is that all the people that he knows? No. In the church of Ephesus, there were close to 100,000 believers. Yet he only names less than a half dozen people in this particular letter. So what about the other 999,000 people? Or 99,000 people. You know what I'm saying. You, you get the math. You understand what I'm saying. Well, he didn't say my name. Doesn't that sound like a typical church? He didn't say my name. Mm, let's, God, let's see if I'm going to go here next week. I'm going to see if I tie the. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with Timothy about this. Pastor Timothy, Paul didn't even put my name there. You read it from the platform. Didn't even say anything. Does he know what I've done? Does he know how many years my family's been in this church? Well, my great-grandfather put the stud in that wall. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? No. So Paul says, hey. It's about appreciation. It's about a value. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is, is that it's okay to appreciate one another. It's okay to be appreciated. Matter of fact, it's helpful. More than that, it's biblical that we honor and value and appreciate people. Whether they, and it's not based upon, it's never, ever in scripture is it based upon how much. It's based upon the sacrifice from what I'm doing. See, the guy that's got a lot of money, 
or the businesswoman that's very wealthy that can write a big check, it's not a big deal. Everything's relative. But the widow who gives all that she has, Jesus pays attention to. But if the wealthy individual gave all of their fortune, it would equal the same thing. It's not about the value, it's about the sacrifice. So when we learn this truth that we're appreciated by Jesus, there's going to be some changes that are going to happen, Paul says, in our life. The first change that's going to happen is appreciated people will exchange grumbling for praying. They exchange grumbling for praying. Look at verse 16. He says, remembering you in my prayers. Now to remind you, Paul is writing these words of affirmation, of appreciation, and of love under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit while he's imprisoned in Rome. He's single. He's not married. He has no family. He's been beaten and tried and left in a Roman jail cell for one reason. Because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Because he's an outspoken follower of Jesus Christ. For the same reason that you and I are in church today, he's imprisoned. Now you would think, man, let's just talk about this. Let's put this in 21st century context. How many times people said, man, Pastor Aaron. Everybody else is getting married, but I'm still single. What's wrong with me? Don't ever ask that question. What's wrong with me? Man, Pastor Aaron. You know what? I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the job. They gave it to another guy. And I think it's because I won't go out and drink with these guys and go to the bars with these guys and do all this kind of stuff because I'm a Christian. I mean, I thought if I was going to serve God, he was going to take care of me. I thought he was going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon me so great I don't have room enough to contain it. And I got passed over for the promotion. Man, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go outside and eat worms. Right? <laughs> If anybody had a reason to grumble and to complain, it'd be Paul. I mean, hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song, right? There's a lot of good theology in that old country western. I'm just telling you right now. Waylon and Willie and the boys had some things right. But instead, he doesn't. What does he do? He's praying. And he's not praying for himself. He's not praying, God, get me out of these chains. God, get me out of this prison. God, give me a wife. God, let me have family. God, I'm tired of being beaten for the faith. No, he's saying, I'm praying for you, church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was wealthy. The church in Ephesus was was affluent. The church in, in, in Ephesus was large and growing and flourishing. They weren't small and maligned. But yet Paul doesn't spend time. He says, I'm praying for you. I'm remembering you in prayer. Why? Because when you understand that God values and appreciates you, you don't grumble about your circumstance. You understand that he's got the entire world in the palm of his hand. Look, if the only time you think God's got it all together is when everything's coming up roses and it's sunny and 75 in your world, you got a bad theology. You are spiritually jacked up. You understand what I'm saying? Because if every time that, oh, this didn't work out right, oh, I didn't get a pay raise, oh, God's falling off. If God falls off the throne in your life every time things don't work out right, that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say he's going to be a bridge over troubled waters. 
That's a pop song. He said he's going he's to walk with you through the troubled waters. That you're never going to be alone in the midst of the storm. But you're going to go through storms. You're going to go through persecution. You're going to go through up times and down times. And that's not about destroying you. It's about increasing your faith and your ability and your character in Christ to be able to serve him. Understand, this world is a dress rehearsal for what's ahead. And I want to remind you, saints, that the Bible says that what we do on this earth is what matters in eternity. And so based upon how we respond to our life here and now is based on how we will rule and reign with Jesus as he establishes the new heavens and the new earth. That's not my words. Look at the book of Revelation. It talks about it very clearly. Paul doesn't grumble about being alone or jailed for his faith or beaten or no family. No, he, he gets his value and his appreciation is met by God. It's not met by people. And therefore, he doesn't grumble. He begins to pray. Secondly, appreciated people exchange Competing for celebrating. Competing for celebrating. If you don't feel appreciated, then you can become competitive with others. Well, I'm just going to outperform them. And there's a healthy competition in the Bible. The Bible says that let us spur one another on to love and to good deeds. That, that, that's good. To challenge one another. To triple dog dare one another. Like I'm doing you with this golf tournament on June 12th. When I'm going to beat everybody in this room with my team. In Jesus' name. <laughs> but there's an unhealthy competition where I feel unappreciated and I begin to compare myself because of my own inadequacies, my own insecurities. And, and I want to be appreciated in such a way. Paul talks about this. Look at verse 17 through 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened or open, that you may know what, which is the hope to which you've been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of the power, of his power, towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places? Paul says, look, man. Before you start competing, you need to understand the power that you have in your life. You need to understand that following Jesus Christ is, is, is this adventure, it's this journey. And in Jesus Christ, we have wisdom, we have knowledge, and our hearts open to understanding. And, and what, what, what's he talking about? He's, first of all, I'm called to a hope. I'm called to something greater than me. I'm not just called to trade days for dollars and, and, get, and work 48 weeks to get four weeks off a year. I, I'm, I'm not just called to just, just, just to do my life and just to check and punch a card. No, I'm called to something greater than me. I'm called to the hope that's in Jesus, which means God has a future and a plan for my life. And what I do today matters tomorrow. It matters in my existence. It matters. There are riches of inheritance. Do you understand the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Jesus? That means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, which means Jesus Christ is not our homeboy. Jesus Christ is our brother, and God is the Father. If the church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the groom, then in the eyes of God, we are all his children. Yes, he's the son of the living God. He's Alpha and Omega. He's part of the triune Godhead. But, but the inheritance that we share is as though we have an equal standing with Jesus. We are joint heirs in Christ. 
We are joint heirs with Jesus. And so the riches of God, because God himself is not finite, he's not limited, he's infinite, so are his riches, so is his inheritance, which means I don't have to compete with you or with anybody else, that he loves me, he cares for me, he's watching over me, and it may not look like it in the moment, it may not look like it in the circumstance, where Paul's at, it may not feel like it, he's alone, he's single, he is, he's been beaten for his faith, he's in prison, but he has this overwhelming, he writes these words, don't forget the power. Don't forget the inheritance. Don't forget the riches. Don't forget. Look, so many people approach life like it's a pie, like it's one donut, right? Let's just talk about food for a minute. (laughs) It's like going to Krispy Kreme and fighting over a donut. It's like, ah, calm down. Simmer down. Look at this conveyor belt. That's what I love. It's all glass. Look at it. They put it on the line. That dough's rising. Hallelujah. It's going up on the tray. Da, 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 da. I'm going to own a Krispy Kreme one day. Krispy Kremes will be in heaven. Marriage of the Lamb, I promise. All that. And then all of a sudden, it hits in that hot grease. Woo, girl, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And for those of you people that are skinny and super healthy, I don't really want to hear it right now. And so right there, and then it goes on the conveyor belt. It cools down just a little bit. And then that glaze hose. If I could have me a glaze hose at my house. You want to know what I want in my kitchen? Right next to the espresso machine, a glaze hose. Whoa, right there. It's like they're just coming off the line. We have a rule in our house. If the hot light's on, we stop. And you know, we don't buy anything. We stop because they give you one for free. You do understand that, don't you? We will all go in, get a hat, get one, and walk right back out. Because it's on, man. The hot light's on. What he's saying is, is quit fighting over one stinking donut. Look at the conveyor belt, people. We're not competing with one another. He, he talks about the immeasurable power that's in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Do you believe that? Well, yeah. Do you live like that? No. Think about that. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you when you go to your office, when you go to your factory, when you go to your school, when you go into your life. Wow! Man, I'm I'm telling you, I'm getting hungry right now. All right. (laughs) Third thing I want you to see here is appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. He ends it this way. Verse 21, far above all the rule and authority and the power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one that's to come. Woo. He, God, has put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and has is given him, or gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to be the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him who fulfills all in all, which means everything. What happens when you feel unappreciated? You become bitter. You know, how come they're healthy and I'm sick? How come they're married and I'm single? There may be a reason for that. We won't go there. How come they got a promotion and I got terminated? How come they didn't, they didn't even get to, they, they didn't really even do anything and everybody really loves them and I can do everything but nobody really loves me? What he's thinking about here, what he's saying here is that when you think of your name, you may go, man, I'm, I'm not a whole lot of anything. And I don't really, I don't know that, I mean, I mean even, but, but you have to remember that you're not in your name. But you are in Christ. 
He repeats that phrase over and over and over in the book of Ephesians. That's the reason why Ephesians is, is about finding identity in Christ. You are not in yourself. You are in Christ. And being in Christ gives you access. Being in Christ opens doors. Being in Christ has a blessing in your, in your life in a way that, that every name that's been named in this age and the age to come, his name is greater. And that's the name that you bear, not yours, because you are in Christ. And when you realize it's about Jesus' name, it's not about you, you lose the bitterness and you become thankful. And that's what Paul's saying. We live for the name of Jesus. We have to remember whose we are. Whose we are in him. I'm out of time. I, wanna, I just want to simply end today with I want to give you just, this isn't chapter or verse, but from this message. Just some observations. Just one, two, three. That as I read Paul and I read the example that he is. In his writing and, 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 and knowing the background and as you look at the narrative, what comes out that I think helps us to live this appreciated life and to appreciate others. First, Paul intersected every aspect of his life with prayer. Every aspect of his life with prayer. I know we know to pray. I know we value prayer. I know we write prayer requests on, 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 the, on the backs of the communication cards every week. I, I, I know that we do all of that. But, but really, how much time do we spend praying? How much time do we really spend communicating and talking with God? Really just telling him our troubles and our situations. We go to everybody. We talk to everyone. But how much time do we just spend with him? A couple weeks ago, I was in a setting where I was really convicted about this. I mean, I, I have a relationship with Christ. I like to think my relationship with Christ is vibrant and good. I feel like I, I preach with a passion and with an anointing that's not mine, but that comes out of that relationship. I'm not perfect, far from it. But I was in a small group setting with about six or seven pastors. Uh, with, uh, with Dr. Ronnie Floyd, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he began to talk about how he begins every day of his life at 4 o'clock in the morning in prayer. And now sometimes you think, well, like this is a preacher, so what else to do with his life? Well, beyond the fact that he's, he's leading a congregation around 12,000 individuals in three different locations throughout northwest Arkansas, and the national speaking and, and books and so forth that he does, he's the president of one of the largest Protestant, if not the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S. And he began to talk about the value of prayer. And as he was talking and we're having this conversation, I am just sitting there just thinking in my mind, like, man, I need to spend more time in prayer. I'm in the thick of my life. I'm 44. got a lot of things going on. I've got, I got, I got a family. I've got, I've, got, I've got things that God's put in my heart to do. I've got a growing congregation that I'm leading. But, but, but I need to spend more time in prayer. And the problem is, is that sometimes we know we need to sharpen the axe, but there's just so much wood to cut. So we just keep cutting, thinking, I know I need to sharpen this axe, but just, let, me, let me just fell one more tree, and then I'll do that. He's getting ready to speak, and, and, and he's talking about the, the, just the discipline that's in his life with fasting. I don't like to fast. That's probably not a surprise to you. Um, 
just convicting. The next morning, I'm on a 6 a.m. flight out of northwest Arkansas, coming back to, I had a meeting in Atlanta, and then, and then back on to Milwaukee, and he was sitting across the aisle, and we were talking that morning. He was on his way to Washington, D.C. to meet with legislation and meet, meet with some very powerful individuals, and it was just like, it just, we had more of a conversation about this power of prayer. I got back home. I told Tammy, I said, I feel like that we need to kind of come into a season of prayer at Life Church. Went to the staff, began with the executive team, and then went with the directors and the administrators and, and communicated finally this week. I just, I, I just, for the next, for this summer, from June 1 to the end of August, every Wednesday night, I'm going to just basically, we're going to have a prayer meeting at the Germantown campus. Wednesday nights at 630 you have elementary age or, or, or infant age children, we'll have child care and, and elementary services available for them. Uh, of course, there's, there's Life Church Youth that's happening. But at 6.30, we're just going to come together starting June 1. It's not going to be a big fanfare. We're not doing a big push. It doesn't matter if it's me and three other people. There will be at least three people because the staff have to come. And uh, this, isn't a, this is about offering you an opportunity just to come in. We'll have a song or two. We'll have a very just quick devotion. But begin to pray. Begin to pray. Pray for what are happening in your life. Pray for what God's doing at Life Church. Pray for what God wants to do. Pray for what God's doing around the world. Secondly, I noticed that Paul chooses serving over performing. If anybody could have performed, it would have been Paul. He was accomplished in every way. He academically, religiously, uh, 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 fluently. I mean, he went to Mars Hill to the most uh, pristine, the most... Um, sought-after secular uh, lecture uh, uh, opportunity in the first century. The only one who debated Christianity against all of the gods of Rome. Highly intelligent, highly gifted. Yet he doesn't wear that badge. He just serves. And I just think that we all would do well to find someone today, this week, that we could just serve. Maybe you, maybe you feel convicted and maybe you feel like, man, you should be involved in a ministry that's serving. That's what you need to do. Maybe you're already doing that. Maybe you just need to find someone whom you can bless, whom you can encourage, whom you can serve. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone that's just, they're not doing well and you notice that their lawn's not not getting mowed and, and you find out that they've been sick, you just, you, don't, you just go mow their grass. And if you don't mow grass, then whoever's mowing yours and you pay to mow yours, have them pay to mow theirs. Just serve people. Nothing kills pride in us and arrogance in us like serving one another. That's what Paul did. Not performing, just serving. Most of my life is public and so I seek private opportunities to do things that nobody knows about, you don't know about, the board doesn't know about, the staff doesn't know about, nobody knows about to bless people. Not because I'm great, but because it kills every type of spiritual decay that's in me. That's what Paul does. And the last thing I see that Paul does is he chooses encouraging over boasting. 
Instead of bragging, instead of posting everywhere I eat on social media and every place I'm vacationing and everything I'm getting to do. And, and, and people, I just want to say this. That's not reality. Nobody ever like takes a bad picture and goes, I'm going to put this on social media. <laughs> Tammy and I were asked to do a little video for, for some, or a friend that just turned 60. And so we shot the video. And she's like a little, hey, happy birthday, da 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 And I had him play it back for me. I was like, man, I look fat. Look, I got this inner tube going on here and this. And I got more chins. And, and, and so I said, let's just someone do it like this and stick it out like that. And let's do this. And so we shot it again. I was like, oh, that's much better. I'm not going to send a fat video. I'm going to send a good video. <laughs> Got some respect. But how much time do we spend just encouraging people? Not about me, but about you. When was the last time you sat down with your hand and a pen and a piece of paper and you wrote a handwritten card? Not a text. Not a tweet, not an Instagram post, so everybody sees how nice you are and how appreciative you are, but just a handwritten card to tell someone, I appreciate you. I triple dog dare you to do that today. Write out the address. You know what an address is. It may take you a while. Get a stamp. <laughs> Lick it and put it on there. Put it in what's called a post box, a mail box that the post office will pick up and take. And they'll deliver to someone's home. And that's a brand new concept. Not Amazon. This is a post office. <laughs> Write a card of appreciation. I encourage you to make that a habit. Remember this, that Jesus appreciates you. Because you're appreciated in Christ, you can so do that for others.